Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metalsmithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Oh. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Hi, all. Today, we're chatting with Janelle Jones, who is RVing everywhere, solo in retirement. So it's not one particular place. It's going to be many. In 2019, she sold her house in Texas, as well as everything in it, and hit the road. Since then, she has been exploring the highways and byways of the United States, covering over 36,000 miles and visiting 41 of the 62 national parks. I'm jealous. Oh, my God. I am so jealous, too. <laughs> her adventures have taken her to 49 states, from South Florida to Alaska, by way of California, and everywhere in between. RVs. According to Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, it's a recreational vehicle designed for recreational use, as in camping, especially motorhome. All motorhomes are RVs, but not all RVs are motorhomes. A motorhome is defined as an automotive vehicle built on a truck or bus chassis and equipped as a self-contained traveling home. Hey, Gene. Some of these RVs are really luxurious and can have more conveniences than our home in Brooklyn. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the price of new RVs can range anywhere from just under 10000 for some pop-up campers to over a million for luxury motorhomes. I don't know, Jane. I don't think we can afford that. So <laughs> we'll talk to Janelle some more. <laughs> okay. Here's a little about Janelle. Born and raised in Texas, Janelle Jones moved to Florida in her early 20s remained there until retirement in 2015, and moved back to Texas. She has a bachelor's in criminal justice administration and enjoyed a career in law enforcement, retiring as a major, and is the CEO of the Wandering Individuals Network, an RV club for the solo traveler. Her interests and hobbies include traveling and learning about local culture, reading history, and watching documentaries. Hi, Janelle, and welcome to Retire There. Your story is really intriguing. Please start off by telling us how you first got into RVing. Hi, Gail and Jean. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I love talking about my lifestyle. I think there's a misconception out there about people that RV. And so I love the opportunity to talk to people who who don't know and, and who might be interested or might not. I never was interested in RVing at all. My office for about the last five or six years of my career looked out across the street to a big RV dealership, one a Prevost <laughs> RV. Oh, wow. Now, the Prevost, 
back in the day were a million dollars. I don't know what they are now. I, I can't even imagine. And I would see people, I'd glance up and look out and see people unloading their stuff, driving off. And they're just like, how going? I mean, literally for a couple of years. One day I stopped in and said, what, what is, what is this? What, what are these buses leaving? What is this like? So they gave me a tour. We're very nice. That's when I learned the million dollar price tag. But I tell you, I walked through there and I was like, I love this. I can't. And I began dreaming about the open road. Then I started noticing other RVs on the road and realized, okay, I don't have to start with the million dollar one because that was going to be a real problem. I could afford like the front tire. So then I started noticing when I was out on the, on the, you know, driving around that there's other type of RVs, which was good. Yeah. I didn't have to start with the million dollar one that I could afford the front tire on. So that was a good news. <laughs> then I went to a couple RV shows and really started kind of way in the back of my head. It started to become maybe this is something I could do when I retire. That literally is the humble beginnings of the life that I leave, lead right now. Wow. So you were working and right across the street from a dealership, right? That sold different kinds of RVs. That's all they sold. They sold that one Prevost model. You know, the, and it's like I said, back, you know, 15 years ago, that was a million dollars. So I can okay. imagine okay. That, that's rock stars and movie stars. Have oh, those, so that's a that's a big company. I got it. Oh, yeah. 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 And okay. It's not for us little folks. You know, nobody <laughs> we know has one. <laughs> okay. Okay. So by the way, where are you today? Uh, right now, I have to think a minute. I'm in Cape Coral, Florida. Oh, nice. Three weeks ago, I was in Canada, then Maine, and then slowly made my way down the East Coast, enjoying that. And I will be wintering in Florida. I don't do cold or hot. So as soon as it starts getting cold, I'm gone. As soon as it starts getting hot, I'm gone. Okay. So we have Two million questions for you. Okay. And okay. we're going to have to be very strategic and compact. Okay. So you were in Texas and you decided, once you decided that you were going to do this, you had a home? I did. After I retired in South Florida, I'd moved to Texas to be back by my mom and five brothers and sisters. And I bought a nice little house on the lake. It was oh, great. Wow. wow. Okay. Uh -huh. yep. So how long were you in your home? I you said five in, years? No, I sat in that house, I'd say, oh, two years. What am I saying? I sat in that house a couple of years. So because I already knew I wanted to sell it. I oh. was like, this is great, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, I'm retired. I'm not going to sit here and cook and garden and go on the lake and paddleboard. Okay. And what else? So, and I was 54. I was way too young to be sitting around this, yeah. you know, yeah. it wasn't yeah. my life. Sure. So I got a little RV, a starter RV, I called it, and started kind of traveling around and realized I want to do this. This isn't the end product, but I want to RV more. And I got to where I was coming back to check on that house was the only reason I was coming home. And I realized I want to do this full time. Okay. Wow. Okay. I mean, moving from a regular home to an RV logistically, that's got to take a lot of psychosis, right? So how, what did you get rid of all your stuff? That is so funny, Gail. I think you're the first person that ever asked me that. Oh it wasn't, well, because people don't realize it's the mental part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can do, can live in one pair of shoes. You know, right. I mean, we can all do it if we want to, but none of us can afford it and are privileged enough. We, we don't have that. So it was the mental part of, I am going to shrink my life down. Right. I think right. I'm in 300 square feet. Okay. And I was in like 1,800 square feet yeah. by myself. Yeah. So it was very hard at first. And you know what was the hardest part, which is funny? I sold the house. I sold my furniture. I sold all my knickknacks and stuff and mm -hmm. gave it to my families. You know what was hard? Was getting rid of the business suits and the high heels and the purses. I had the okay. same issue. Yeah. A, a lot of people don't understand that. But, you know, Gil and Jean, but I was raised poor, lived in a trailer with five brothers. Okay, right here. Gil's got her hand up. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was finally able in my life and professional life to start buying clothes and, and not goodwill clothes or hand-me-downs and have shoes and purses, it kind of solidified. It, it In my mind, I was a girl boss and I'd made it. I can afford yeah. clothes. I could shop. And, you know, and I'm short and wearing four-inch heels, I can look up. <laughs> at people or you know instead of looking up i could yeah. look at right people, you know yeah. and i worked with all men yeah so yeah. it was in my mind it was a strategic advantage to be able to look at 
people instead of, you know, up at everybody. Right, right, right. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. Yeah, it's it's true. It's so much that I wrote an article about how one bathing suit can disrupt your life because I also have one bathing suit, not five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not the cute ones, not this. I have one mm-hmm. because the clothes don't define me anymore. I'd rather have mm-hmm. the anxiety. I don't want to stress life. I walk in there. I put on the bathing suit and, you know, that's yeah. it. Give or take it. Yeah. Oddly, since I got rid of all my stuff, everything in 2019, I have not needed high heels or a pinstripe suit once. <laughs> <laughs> so you just took all that to goodwill, the suits? or Sold what it. Do? Sold it, got rid of them. When I retired, I got rid of almost all the business suits, gave them to friends and colleagues. But I kept a handful. My gosh, you know, you never know when you need a tan suit or a black (laughs) suit or a pinstripe suit or... Didn't wear them once. I don't know. And then plus I yeah. have all the shells, you know, the cute shirts yeah. that go underneath. Yeah, depending. the shells, the shells. Oh, my God. Yes. This is this is Gil's story. This is like my story. <laughs> I, I still, I you know, I kept about, um, I have to say, now we're on the topic. I kept about five different shells because yeah. I just love them, number one. But I was like, I don't need five. I know that I have one black suit, but I still have a couple of things to, you know, offload. I totally get what you went through and I'm still kind of going through it because I just retired two years ago. But my issue, the drive now is I don't have enough space for all my other new clothes. <laughs> yeah, like like you, you have your travel clothes or whatever. You know what I mean? I have my sweatshirts. I'm taking classes. I have a student wardrobe now. It's a challenge. Yeah. And I have two plates. I have two coffee cups. I have one glass. Okay. I have one insulated glass and that's it. And you know what? I'm fine. I don't yeah. need all that other stuff. Yeah, I, it doesn't clutter the mind. Yeah. It does not. And I don't need it. I mean, in the RV world, if we have dinner together, people know to bring their own plate and fork because they also have two plates or one wow. plate or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's a style. That's yeah. great. I have so, a question. So you, you moved to Texas and then you decided to go solo in an RV and you moved to Texas to be near your family. Did they think you were absolutely crazy? Okay. Yes. Yeah. My mom was, she listened to me, you know, kindly and everything. And then she said, is everything all right with your money, honey? Do you need some money? (laughs) My sister sat me down on a Zoom call. We made an appointment and everything. And she talked to me about serial killers and how they're on the road. Oh, yes. (laughs) We do think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Gil's addicted to serial killer shows. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Well, don't, you know. (laughs) He talked to me about that. My stepdad talked to me about, remember, I'm 54, 55, 56 at that time. My mm-hmm. stepdad want, was very concerned about me breaking down and men stopping to help me. And he wanted to go over what I was going to do about it. Mm. I'm like, first of all, I was a cop. Yes, people were very concerned, very worried, didn't know why. And, you know, where are you going? Well, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Is everything yeah. all right? <laughs> no one looked at it as this fabulous opportunity. Right. Yeah. No one, not right. one person. Right. Until I got to the RV club. And then they were like, I know, don't you feel sorry for those people sitting in a house every day, all day? <laughs> that was a completely different way of looking at this. They saw yeah. this for the wonderful opportunity that it is. Okay. It sounds like you knew how to kind of take baby steps and then up. So you started with a small one, which I think, I would do the same just to feel right. Just to feel like, let me try this out. I know you're, you're making faces. So tell, interrupt me. Go ahead. Uh, I did not start small. I did not start with baby steps. The first one I bought was 31 feet that you pull behind. Oh. I had remember, I've never even been in an RV. I've never driven a, a truck pull in an RV. Oh my okay. goodness. Yeah. I thought I, earlier you said you started with a, a smaller one, but I, no, I said a starter. I, oh, a starter. Got it. I call it my starter because I wrecked it. I hit a building. I ran under a low hanging tree, took everything off the top. I broke the slide. I call it my starter. Okay. Okay. I'm the type of girl, I'm either all in or I'm all out. So when it's time to buy an RV, by God, I'm going to buy an RV. 31 feet, six months. (laughs) So All right. So now tell us how financially this works. Financially, it works exactly like your house does. Mm -hmm. Exactly. With some small things. Uh, I don't have taxes that I have to pay every year. Hallelujah. Okay. I don't, you know, you're not in any particular place. Right. I'm not, I don't have a house. I don't have to pay house taxes, but 
I did a big upfront cost of about, I'd say, ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and added solar to the top of my RV. Oh, so I can park anywhere, and I do a lot. I do a lot. Beautiful. I'm in my daughter's backyard right now. Well, kind of lot she has behind her. Oh. So I I have my own electricity. I carry my own water with me. I do have to fill up water here and there, and I do have to dump my tanks, you know, here and there. Otherwise, I mean, I have to have insurance on the RV, just like you would in your house. I have a car that I pull. I own the car, but I uh, had to pay for that and then pay for the insurance. But other than that, I buy groceries. I do my laundry, do everything. I go to the doctor, the dentist, everybody else does. I just do it in Maine or Kentucky or Washington or California or Texas. Okay. So okay. For a livable RV, for a decent RV, what's the price range that they can get it for in the low end? Well, you know, Gil earlier you know on the intro said it starts at ten thousand. You can get RVs for a thousand. I mean you can, you know, and then you can get those vans, those big the van life that's big now. Some of those yeah. are hundred and eighty thousand. Wow. So it, it depends. Do you want new? Do you want older? Do you like I have a class A now, which is like a bus. Okay. Yeah. It's oh, okay. thirty six feet. I've okay. graduated into this. And these run everything from ninety nine thousand to the over million mark. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it it just depends. Like, what kind of house can you have? Sure. Well, okay. Just, it depends. What what can you afford? What do you want? Right. So you have a thirty six footer. What's the insurance like on something like that? Uh, I want to say I pay about fifteen hundred dollars a year on this on this uh, insurance on this RV. It's really not bad. That's, that's great. That's nothing. Yeah. Knock wow. uh-huh. on wood. Yeah. There's wood. I don't want to wreck <laughs> yeah. and have it grow up. If we wanted something like Gene and I, the two of us probably could live in the one you're in right now, although we'd kill each other um, <laughs> because he'd have to be in one end and I'd have to be in the other. Are there yeah. like, can you divvy up the space so that he could be in his own space without listening to my music? Yeah, I have a living room, a dining room, and a bedroom with the door. I mean, okay. Geez. Oh, wow. Uh, Look at that. Look yeah. The regular house. Th- your style. See, Gene? Yeah. You yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a door. It's a pocket door right there. Nice. My bathroom is right there. Has okay. a door. I mean, okay. it, and I can. It's an ensuite, if you will. Oh, so nice. It you know it just depends. They have RVs that as you walk down the hall, there's bunk beds right there for two kids or whatever uh-huh. or storage. Right. right. They have RVs that have a, a fold down in the back that you can sit on there and look outside. You ha- you can bring your own porch with you. Oh wow. It's, yeah. Just depends on how much you want to spend and how much trouble you want to deal with. So did you get one to accommodate a guest? Uh, if the guest is sleeping with me, they can be accommodated. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, nah. Yeah. No, no sofa. No sofa I bed. Yeah. No sofa bed, but mm-hmm. I, you just don't get as many guests as you think you will. At first, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to come see you. Tell me when you're in Alaska. Comes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my yeah. My sister-in-law came one time to Bar Harbor, Maine and stayed with me. And I'm like, okay. well, we're sleeping together, girl. But, you know, we love each other. So we just slept together. There's no big yeah, deal. Yeah. But yeah. people really don't come okay. as much as they say they will. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So I have the, I guess, the uh, the dirty deed question. When you said you have to dump water, I'm, I'm assuming the sewage and stuff like that. How do, yeah. how do you do that? You go to a particular place where it's permitted? Oh, yeah. They're all over the place. Yeah, you become very familiar with gray water, and which is the shower and the sink. You become very familiar with that, and you become very familiar with black tanks. And we call it a black tank for obvious reasons. There's an app that you can find them. RV parks have them. Some gas stations have them. It's not an issue. It's it's really not a big deal. You just, okay. the first year, it's a big deal because you don't know what you're doing or where they right. are. But every right. while, you, my tanks are like 80 gallons. My gray tank, maybe it's 40 gallons. That's a lot of water. And I don't really conserve that much. Right. It's still a lot of water. I so they separate days. They separate the gray tank from the poo, I mean, right? So that's yes, going out black. separately, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so you have to plan that so that every so often, like, you know mm-hmm. when you have mm-hmm. to do all that. Okay. Yep. Yep, there's okay. gauges, and you just look at them and see it's full. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. All right, Gene, I know you right. had a question. Here's one for you. We get many questions from single women who listen to our podcast, mm-hmm. asking whether a certain place would be great for a single woman to retire. What would you say to them about solo RVing? I would say to them that don't discount this life. Don't sit there and think, oh, well, I can't, I can't drive that. Neither could I. I. I couldn't drive that when I first started. 
I would say that this is a fabulous life for those of us that that have retired and have got, you know, maybe 20, 30 years left, 10 good years of run where you can still run hard. I would say give this a try. It is an incredible life. Gil mentioned kindly at the beginning how much I've done. And it's it's even more. I've done 45,000 miles now. And my one state I haven't seen is Vermont for some odd reason, but I've been huh. to Canada, all through Canada, all over the United States. You just, you name a place and I've probably been there or at least been by it, or there's a reason I haven't been. So I would tell women, this is not, there's, it's nothing to be afraid of. That yeah, I feel very secure in this RV, as a matter of fact, more so than I do a sticks and bricks house. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Now, what were you driving coincidentally before? Like what kind of car did you have? Oh, I had a, well, I had a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Then I got a truck to pull that one camper, you know, okay. that I had no business. Mm-hmm. And, then, <laughs> and now, now I have a Nissan. I have a, a Nissan oh. Versa, frankly, because it was cheap and because it doesn't weigh very much to pull behind this RV ah. that gets a whole whopping nine miles to the gallon. Okay. So how long is between your uh, RV and the car? How long is that? I call it 60 feet of hot mess. <laughs> oh my goodness. Imagine falling 60 feet. Oh my goodness. No. So beats. <laughs> you must have had to wow. take lessons, right? To navigate nope. it. Nope. No? Nope. What? Not oh. at all. It's still just driving. Now, in my mm. starter RV. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I went over curbs. I <laughs> I mean, I hit a building turning too tight. I okay. jackknifed in a gas station one time. Oh, there was definitely a learning curve. Yes. Okay. Now, okay. This to me seems a lot easier. This is a lot easier. And, it, you know, experience with everything. Experience sure, makes sure. you better. So you've got those mirrors that stick out on the side, oh, yeah. right? That can see all the way behind. Okay. Yes. And then I've okay. got a mirror inside the dash that's looking back at my car. Okay. And then when I turn my signal on, I can see to the right or see to the left. Okay. Yeah. So so like a house where you feel secure, the door, what do you have? Extra padlock? Nope. Nope. Not at all. It's just got two locks on it. But... That door, you can't take an axe and go through it. I mean, I guess you could after a while, but yeah. it's it's a uh, the material's not wood. And so they would have to get a crowbar, pry it in to an eighth of an inch, wrench it open. Oh. And they would tear the door up. And I'd likely, surely I would hear them by then. Yeah, and by and then, then you could just take off. <laughs> they'd have to get a ladder to get up to my windows to break them to get in. And okay. so that's a lot of work. Could they? Yeah. Yes. But it's yes. a lot of work to try to get into an RV that hopefully somebody would see or I could hear them and, and right. deal with it. No, I'm so glad you answered that because I was always curious about that. And that that helps to visualize what was in my head. So, okay. do, so do you stay mostly in RV parks or are you one of these people who goes like in the Walmart parking lot? I rarely stay in campgrounds and I rarely go to a Walmart. I, I've <laughs> gone to Walmart maybe three times. Mm-hmm. There's no need to. Yeah. There are Beautiful places to stay. BLM land, the Bureau of Land Management. Beautiful. Why would you stay in a campground, pay $50 a night and look at the back of somebody's RV, you know, while they're smoking and drinking or whatever? Just why would you look at the back when you can go to Colorado, for instance, and stay in BLM land, stay in a forest and look out on beautiful Cristo Mountains, I think it is. I can't remember. Why wouldn't you do that? I have solar, like I said earlier, on the top of my roof so yeah. that I can have my, create my own electricity as long as it's so shiny. That is so and good. Wow. Yeah. It's so much better. The first year, yes, I went to RV park to RV park because I didn't know. But right. once I got with my RV club, they were like, oh, no, now you're camping. We're going to show you how to live. Wow. 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 That sounds great. Okay. It's great. <laughs> yeah. No, no. You look it. And by the way, I love the photos that you send, which we're going to oh, share, especially good. the one where you're standing by the door and all the stickers of where you've been. Uh-huh. And all that. That's so cool. That's now, so remember, cool. this is my third RV. And so oh. about every, every time I uh-huh. get a new RV, I start over. Oh, so, mm-hmm. so. You didn't keep any of those stickers. <laughs> I can't because I know, it's full. I know. It gets full. I know. All right. So we have your most current one, which is already yeah. full to me. That, I guess that's when you know to get a new RV. When you yeah. The first <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Janelle, please tell us about the organization Wandering Individuals Network, an RV club for the solo traveler. That club was started 35 years ago by seven people, single. Back then, you know, people, the RVing wasn't like it is now. Mm. They were sitting around a campfire, they were all single, and they wanted a club, you know, people to travel with. So they said they came up with a name and one girl gets to be president and the next girl next next year you get to be president. It was very much a simple little club. 
Okay. 35 years later now, we've had thousands of members literally come through. It's an actual small business LLC now. And I oh. bought the business in March oh, from okay. the guy that had had it 10 years. But, okay. you know, he owned it 10 years before me. It was a natural fit for me to buy because I traveled with it. I learned so much from it. It taught me how to live, not camp in an RV. Hmm. And I wanted to do that for others. And I love the club and, and love doing it. So I thought, I think I, I'm going to take that and, and see what I can do with it and run with it. Oh, okay. So people can just go to your site and then get involved or just, so it's called wanderingindividualsnetwork.com. So people can just go there and learn or do they join? Is it, um, you know, a membership kind of thing? It is a membership. It's only $120 a year. Okay. And for that, you get access to all of our trips. Right now, I think we have seven on there, one of them being Alaska. Wow. Uh, we have Mexico. So with our numbers, we can call ahead to some places like Mexico and say, hey, there's going to be X amount of us. What kind of rate can you give me? Oh, and I can help with the rate. That's so I mean, good. Yeah, yes. so that, that's yeah. a great club. Okay. It is membership-based, though. And another thing that it offers besides the exclusive trip is it offers friends, road friends. Yeah. Now, I have this fabulous life and all this, but I don't know anybody in Kansas and Maine and Nebraska and California. Okay, I, I, okay. And, so, and I'm fine by myself. I've been single many, many years. I yeah. love my life. I still have to eat every once in a while with somebody. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Okay. So okay. hence you join and you have all these road friends, I call them. We travel on our own, but together. Oh, That's oh, I great. see. But you could meet up at a location and stuff like oh, that. You know, whoever's oh, going to be there. Okay. It's right. not a meetup club. You know the itinerary. Like, for instance, Alaska coming up in May. You know we're leaving May 29th. You know how many stops we're going to go on. You know exactly where to go. You know the dates we're going to be there, everything. You come and go as you please. You can do the whole trip or you can do just parts of the trip. No, oh. it's up to you. You don't check in with anybody. You make your own reservations. So if you've already been to Denali, for instance, and want to skip that, you just skip it. Okay. But the facility or the area expects or anticipates this crowd. So they're prepared for the land or what have you. Sometimes, you yes. Not always. But okay. sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. If you have a bulk, you're going to get discounts, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Okay. So is it you who are in a committee, I guess, who plans these kind of itineraries? I plan them. It's my business and I plan them. Yes. Gotcha. Now, I will say that I have a great girl that I've hired on the side, young girl that, which well, she's young to me, you know, <laughs> computer wizard. I send her the stuff and she puts it in a format and all, Aaron's her name, great girl. Otherwise, yes, it, they're, they're my, they belong to the club and I create them. Okay. So you must have like a list ongoing of places you guys want to go and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I that's did. so good because if you start this, you really kind of feel like, like I know Gene and I would say, well, we got we want to go to this national park and we want to go to this national park. But then afterwards, we'd look at each other like, now what? You know, so it's yeah, good I to have this live group in existence. Yes. OK, most okay. people, when they get their RV their first year, same. I did the same thing. You go see your bucket list. I'm going to can, can, uh, uh, Niagara Falls and I'm going to the Grand Canyon. OK, that takes about a year. Okay. Then after that, you're like, now what? Right. And then. Like you said, you and Gene want to go to the Grand to say one of the national parks. You drive yeah. from New York to the national park, drive stay at the national park one week and drive home. Well, our trips can start you from New York or wherever and show you some fun stuff to do along the way. Why don't you stay here? Why don't you stop at this national little state park? Why don't you go see the biggest ball of yarn on the way and then <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Get to the national park. We'll tell you some places you can stay. You can meet some friends there. And then we can either sometimes we take you a different route back or mm -hmm. sometimes we're like if you want to leave this national park and go north to South Dakota, we've got another trip starting there that's going to go over to the northwest and drive down the California coast. Okay. I'm glad okay. you mentioned state parks because Obviously, national parks are wonderful. One of my favorite things in the world. But there are some great state parks out there as well. They're beautiful yeah. and cheap. A lot of times they're by the water. It's really incredible to stay at. And we do stay at those a lot as well. So, you know, I have to say, you come across as someone who is very positive, who is very together and in line with your former career as law enforcement. Do you carry your gun with you? Uh, I have several guns in this RV. You better believe it. <laughs> Tell us about your initiative called National RV Women Day. What, what's that about? There's a day, June 8th, 
that is National RV Day, which is fine and whatever. I think it was created by the RV industry to kind of recognize this this uh, money making industry. And I was like, you know, why don't we create a National Women RV Day? Because hmm. there are so many women in RVs, so many, which you don't know until you're in this subculture. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? We are bucking the trend here. So many times at a gas station, almost every time, I'd say eight out of 10 times when I'm at a gas station pumping gas, somebody will say, you drive that by yourself? You're on your own here? <laughs> and I wanted to recognize that. And yeah. I thought, you know what? Who better than this RV club to recognize that women are out there doing this? And yes, this is my RV. Yes, I paid for it. And yes, I <laughs> drive it and it's mine. And yes, I do the maintenance on a lot of it. Or yes, I pay for the maintenance on a lot of it. Good for you, man. Good for you. I want to recognize that. And listen, I'm not the only one by any means. There are 75, 80-year-old women out here. I travel a lot with a lady that's 76 years old and pulls the fifth wheel that makes my (laughs) little RV look like you know, I'm in a starter van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wheel. So what is the most difficult part about living in an RV, would you say? Well, I have to think about that a bit. Okay, the difficult part is when I have a flat tire. You know, when I have a flat tire, I am down and out. You worry, okay. you get to go home, if, yeah, but yeah. I am down now. Thank God I've only had one flat tire, but it was on the side of the road. I was on a windy two-lane small road in Massachusetts, Ooh, blocking traffic. Cops had to come and route <sighs> traffic for like a couple of hours. And, you know, you don't just call a tow truck. Tow right. trucks can't tow me. Yeah. So we ended up taking a tire. I have four tires in the back. We ended up taking the inside tire off, putting it on the front. You know, that I had to call somebody, wait for them to come, right. jack it up, 26,000 pounds. Okay. So <laughs> wow. So that's, and just to finish it, they didn't have that size tire in the state of Massachusetts. No, so, in the whole yeah. state? The whole state. Oh, a yeah. very nice company had their driver drive about four hours to the next state line and pick up a tire and drive. So you were stuck there holding up that traffic? Yeah. Once I got the tire on the tire on the front, I managed to limp over into a parking lot. And I went in and told the owners, I got to stay here a few days. And I was there about three days. (laughs) So that was, you know, that was challenging. Yeah, Yeah. One time I drove down a dirt road for eight miles because my GPS took me that way. And uh, you don't turn around, you don't make a U-turn, or you don't back into a driveway to turn around. I just had to keep going. Now I want you to picture eight miles, how long that is, at about 15 miles an hour in an RV. Oh, my goodness. I thought I was just going to live there. I was like, well, I'm just going to stop and open my slides and eat dinner. I'm just going to stay here. And then you have your car that you're hauling everywhere, right? So you've got to be conscious of that when you're making turns, like you said. I do. But how exciting, Gil, when you do get in an RV or something the first time and realize, I'm going to have to learn this. And then you learn it and master it. I can parallel park this thing now. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Again, thank you for your your kindness to me. But this is nothing unusual. I am not unusual in my world. Yeah, right, 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 right. Not at all. Totally, because we actually um, we had a couple of uh, or maybe two episodes of of RVers, and it was just like eh, every day, you know. Yeah, because yeah. that's it. Just becomes who you are, right? It, it, it so, is. Yeah, it's a wonderful retirement option. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so after that incident, how did you prepare? Like, did you get an extra tire just in case? I mean, is there room for no. that? Nope, there's no. no room for an extra tire. I did nothing to prepare for it. I am glad that it happened because now I know as long as I don't die or someone else, we're going to get through it. Okay. I sat in that parking <laughs> lot a couple of days. I had my dinner. I watched TV. I cooked. I I think yeah. well, I, I did some laundry. Yeah. I just lived <laughs> my life in that parking lot. Okay. okay. So you have a washer and dryer in the RV. I do. I have a washer dryer. I have a central vac. I have a fireplace. I, have a, I, I live wow. in a tiny home. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a tiny home. Related to that. So what are the most important items in your RV? Yeah. Well, let's get past, you know, your personal things and your dishes and all that. There's a couple of things that I suggest every RVer has. I don't care if you're brand new or been in it 10 years and I'm think the 10 years ones would tell me you need to carry extra water pump oh. because your water pump will go out. It may not go out today, but it'll go out tomorrow. 
and you will not have water unless you're hooked into a into an RV park. You will okay. not have water. There's okay. no way around it. All and right. it's a $50 item by a water pump. The next thing I suggest is a square number two screwdriver because this screwdriver fits almost every screw inside of almost every RV. It's oh. a cheap nothing to have. And you won't strip it out trying to do something else. And why that's important is rattling. You know, uh, there's a saying you're driving a, a rattling hurricane or a moving hurricane down the road. Mm. Screws are always, you'll look down, there's three screws. You'll start looking around going, I wonder where these came oh, from. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. so if you, that screwdriver comes in very handy and okay. you can just, you know, put them right back in where they fell out. Okay. I created a list even of like 10 things that you should have in your RV. That I'll okay. be happy to share with your listeners as well. Okay. Another one is to be able to pump up your own tires. If you have a, a flat mm. tire, mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a, a piece of equipment that um, the name is escaping me now, but um, mm -hmm. uh, a, a portable air inflator, whatever that's called. I can't think of yeah. it, but you know, to be able to pump up your own tires. And additionally, it's got a mechanism where you, I can, if my battery goes dead on the RV or the car, I can jump my own battery. So oh, I don't have oh, nice. Wow. Yes, I don't have to have any help like that. At all. And those to me are the four most important things to keep you moving, to at least get you to someone that could help you. If you are parked in Colorado, in the mountains, you know, and you're 30 miles from, from a real town. Okay. Okay. You know, so we ask many of our, or all of our guests, actually, the ones that are in a stationary location about healthcare. So if you're traveling on the road and you know, you have to be prepared, obviously. So you have all your meds if if you need them. Like we we take a fair share. Uh, well, you know, regular a statin, what have you. If you're just somewhere, can you contact your group and say, hey, does anyone know of a doctor in this area? Or do you just kind of do what everyone else does, go online and... I do what everyone else does. I go online. My insurance, I had an option of in-state or statewide. And of course, yeah. I picked the statewide one. Right, because, right. You know, I know. But now I change the couple prescriptions I take. I have them at Walmart because there's Walmarts everywhere. Okay. So I have my prescription there and I go to the doctor like everybody else. I, I will think ahead. All right. And three right. weeks, because, you know, I'll, right, I'll right. be in Kentucky in three weeks. So let me find a doctor there. Okay. And I, I do have doctors in Florida because that's where I work. Like my dentist, I love her, so I still go to her. But I just, I, I'm in Florida most winters, so I just schedule November, December every single year for my dentist. Oh, okay, smart. It's very easy. Right. Once you get it down, it's very simple to do. Yeah. It's a very easy life. Yeah, like the statewide insurance, that makes a lot of sense. You know, because yeah. our son was on my insurance when he took a job out of New York just to find that no one up there takes our insurance <laughs> because <laughs> my insurance is focused on this region. He should have kept um, his work in. Insurance, yeah. yeah. So now, so now we know during open enrollment that he's he should take his company's insurance. Okay. What about mail? Yeah. Do, yeah. Do, yeah. Do you subscribe to one of these services that sends you your mail? I do. I have a mail service out of South Dakota, but honestly, how much mail do you really get? We don't really get that much mail anymore these days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you don't you need really the junk don't. mail, right? Yeah. 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 They can keep the junk mail. You yeah. really don't. The one mail that I do get that's important is if I go through a toll booth that I don't have a toll thing for and they ah. bill you later. Yeah, yeah. I oh, will. Yeah. yeah, I will get that. And I learned the hard lesson on that one. You know, a four dollar <laughs> ticket cost me 70 because <gasps> I didn't I didn't know about it. So, oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't pay the state for like six months. So I'm glad that's all they did to me was keep doubling <laughs> and doubling it. So I right. paid $70 to drive through a bridge one time. Yeah. But otherwise, I just tell everybody, hey, you need to email me, e email me the bill or, or whatever. There's yeah. so much available now. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the old days when this was a hard life. This is very simple. So many people have come before me and right. had this all figured out. Yeah, I guess, right. I right. guess technology has made it a lot easier to, to travel in an RV all year round, huh? Yeah. It, it really thinking. has. I pay for, I have Starlink. I pay for that. And that's quite expensive. To me, it is $150 a month. But it's reliable for the places that I stay out in the middle of nowhere a lot of times. It's, it's perfect for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But... It does make every other part of my life easier as far as planning the trips or even my own navigation. I've got to have that internet connection. Yeah, yeah. A fun question is, do you mostly cook or do you eat out since you travel so much? I mostly cook. Oh, really? I, 
I mostly cook. I enjoy cooking. Eating out is so expensive anymore. And yeah, yeah. if I'm in, I don't know, I keep saying Kentucky, but if, say, if I'm in Red Bay, Alabama, mm. and that is a small town, I don't know the good mom and pop places to eat. And I can uh. eat at the chain restaurants anywhere. So yeah. I will go out to eat, of course, like everyone. But no, I'd say most lunches, dinners, I eat at home. Okay, good to know. So how do you maintain balance and routine while on the road? Okay, that is a hard one. My balance routine is fine now. The first year or two, not really. I mean, I was sleeping in, I was wearing my pajamas half the day, whatever. But now it's, I, I like everybody else, I get going. The exercising is the hard part. Yeah. When I'm around a gym and stationary, like right now I'm in Florida, I went the first day and joined a gym because I'll go every day. I'll go to yoga, I'll get a trainer and I'll go. But traveling for three straight weeks to say to get from Canada to Florida, it's very difficult. If I don't make myself get up and at least walk around somewhere where I'm at, I'm not disciplined enough to, to exercise in my RV. To me, that's the challenge I've had. And that's another reason I eat at home more so I can control like everybody. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm eating. But to me, that's been the hardest balance to keep right there. I go to church, but I do it online. And I go to my I go to my church that I've gone to in Florida for 30 years. So I still go to the same church, just I'm online. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that before going to church online. And it does everything it's supposed to do. So what? Yeah. And I can do it in my pajamas. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Try that okay. in a real church. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can you share some of the strategies you've developed to combat loneliness and anxiety on the road? I know that was something that came up. Yes. And that's a real issue. I don't care if you're a couple or not. The anxiety, number one, it's real. So getting in this and driving for the first time. I was so scared. The, the day I bought this, and I had to keep it for like a week. And then the night before, I paced my floor up and down that house that I had sold. I bet you for an hour. I was so scared. Really? I was. Oh, I, was I can't crying. imagine that with you. Huh? I was crying. I was shaking. I was like, what am I doing? I don't even know how to drive that. What am I doing? The anxiety was a lot. I just kept going forward, one foot for the other, one step by at a time. I just kept going further, further. I went to bed that night. The next day got my purse and drove off and got my RV and drove it back to where I live. Cause you know, the house was going to be gone two days later, the, the, the new people were taking it. <laughs> yeah. And I just kept going, you know, that's my strategy. And then joining the RV club. I know I keep coming back to that, but mm-hmm. the day, and I mean, the day I met up with them, they were sitting in a group and I walked up, I'm like, Hey, is this the wandering individuals network RV club? And they're like, yes, come on in that day changed everything literally because the anxiety was gone there all these people and older women and older men were sitting there i'm like okay well they can do it i can do it so yeah and they again made me realize this is a great lifestyle and welcome and enjoy it and i Mm -hmm. learned so much from them that it took away the anxiety of I don't know what I'm doing with my RV. For instance, mm-hmm. I drove for two weeks with no hot water to get to the first meeting because I couldn't remember how to do the hot water. Oh. That first day, I was like, does anybody <laughs> know how to do my hot water? Three people stood up and was like, I'll go, I'll go help you. And it was a <gasps> click of a button. Oh. So literally, that helped tremendously with the anxiety. And then as well as the loneliness that you get, we addressed that a little bit later, but or a little bit earlier. But when you are in an RV club... And traveling with like in when we did the Canadian Maritimes, where I was all summer in Canadian Maritimes, there was 16 of us. Mm. Now, a couple of them like to hike 20 miles. I am not hiking 20 miles, but (laughs) we all went together and some of us hiked 20, some of us hiked one, some of us hiked five. I was in the five range. And then you just turn around and go back. We travel on our own, but together. And that addresses the anxiety and the loneliness very easily. Yeah. I want to thank you for sharing that because for those of us or people who are thinking of embarking on this, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I don't know. And it's so easy to just put something off. But if you've had it in your mind or your heart that you wanted to do it, but that's someone like you still experience that, that's really good to know. Yeah, I am very strong. I mean, I wore a gun on my hip for many years and rusted bad guys and all that. Yeah, And that's literally when I had to go pick that RV up the next day, I was so scared. I mean, I was crying and I'm not a crier. And I (laughs) cried and just was walking up and down. What have I done? My house was empty. I had a lawn chair that my mom gave me and a mattress on the floor that I, you know, (laughs) 
between the house selling and all my yeah. get rid of sure. my stuff. Sure. None of that scared me. I was fine. But yeah. that next day when I left the security of that house into literally the wild blue yonder, yeah. I was very afraid. But I got past it. And so yeah. can you. If you're yeah. listening and worried about this, so can you. Right. And I encourage anyone who wants to call and talk to me, I'll be glad to talk to them. I talked Aww. to a lady the other day and she Thank was crying you. when she called me <gasps> and was oh. like, I'm, I want to do this. And I'm so scared. She was a high school teacher and retiring at the end of May. She was slowly selling her stuff and getting a, a class B van. And she was like, I can't do this. I, I, I'm i scared now. And I've signed the papers and I want to change my mind. I didn't talk her into one way or the other, but I just talked to her like we are talking yeah. that this is a life uh, retirement viable option that right. is a great option, I think. Yeah. Do you think for the long term you're going to be doing this or do you think about that? Like what's going to come and things like that? I do. I'm coming up on my fifth year. I'm not ready yet, but I mm-hmm. see, you know, another few years, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if I'm going to, like I said, I don't want to be hot or cold. So right. I don't know if I'm going to go to, you know, somewhere cool in the summer and then come to winter, you know, with my daughter in my RV and then quit the loop in the United States and driving through Canada for three months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can see that kind of coming to an end and also because I've done all of it. But the idea of getting back in a house where I have to mow the lawn and worry yeah. about all that, <laughs> that does not appeal to me <laughs> yeah. one single bit. Yeah. But the beauty of what you're doing is there must be locations where you think of, hey, you know, I could settle here, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. I went to Maine and loved it. I went to Michigan. Oh, my gosh, I loved it. Wow. Then I went to the Canadian Maritime, St. John, St. Andrew, mm-hmm. Prince Edward Island. I'm like, I'm becoming Canadian. I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> but with my lifestyle, next summer, I'm going to go back to Canada and stay at Prince Edward Island for a month. I was oh. only there like a couple of weeks. I'm going to go for a month. That's wow, nice. nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Pretty over there. And then yeah. so you have a place where you know you can keep your RV for a month. Yeah, with me in it. Uh-huh. That's right, because yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to rent the space when you have a no. home. Okay. <laughs> so we've been speaking to Janelle Jones, who lives full time in an RV, and we want to remind people that her organization is Wandering Individuals Network. Before we started the show, you said you give some kind of a discount to people who join. I do. Anybody that joins for this month, the month of November, um, I'll give them. I'll give them ten dollars off the membership, and the membership's only one hundred twenty. So I'm going to yeah. give them ten dollars off a one year membership, just to kind of give them that little push, that little push they need to join this. And maybe you don't have an RV yet. Maybe you want to rent one and come travel with us a little bit. I've got a link on my uh, website that uh, where it'll take you right to an RV rental service, RV share mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I did some research and we entered into kind of a program together from for people that want to travel with us, but don't have their RV yet. But yeah, at least start looking at our trips, get on our Facebook group and start interacting with us and join us in this incredible life. Is this only for solos or can a couple join if they like your organization? They can. A couple can join. We are mostly solo, but we have several married people. I mean, we've, mm-hmm. we've got a big hunt. But for some reason, the wife or husband or significant other doesn't like to travel or hasn't retired yet or uh-huh. won't leave the grandbabies or t- the daughter just had a baby and the sure. mom wants to stay there, but the husband wants to go to Canada with us. <laughs> we had we had one in Canada, but they're going to Alaska next year. And his wife, who still works, is going to dr- fly in a couple times, you know, okay. Be in Alaska for three months, so yeah. she'll fly out and join him. Okay. So, okay. Yes, the majority of us will always be solos, but yeah, we we have couples that travel with us now that they just happen don't happen to be married. A oh, wing true. is not going to make the difference. I mean, <laughs> right. Right. It doesn't matter. It's okay. in our world. In their world, it does. <laughs> yeah. But in our yeah. world, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Everything. I think we've covered everything. Janelle, is there anything that you like to share that we may have left out, or words of wisdom? I would. I have two things that I tell everybody who's thinking about this life is to be quiet. Once you start telling people what you're going to do, nine out of 10 are going to say, oh my gosh, you're going to get the serial killer talks. You're going to get people (laughs) asking, are you okay with your money? Do you need a loan? Do you need to move in with us? To be quiet, be quiet. Because if you're thinking about this, you need to do your own research and go online and go to RV shows and do whatever. Call me, join our club to start getting acclimated to this world. But to be quiet, there's three stages of getting an RV. You dream about it. Then you start doubting it, going, what am I doing? Oh, my gosh. 
And then you make that, hopefully most of us, not all of us, but some of us will make that final push into doing. So it's dream, doubt, and doing. And I did all three of those. And you can do it too. It I like is that. The three a option. Yep. Yeah, dream, dream, doubt, doubt and do. doing. That doubt is so important, right? Because everyone's got to think twice. And 10 times, yeah. you know, and you don't do this the next day. This right. is a six month, yeah. year long, yeah. two year thing yeah. you think about. And you're like, okay, I'm doing this. And then the next day you're like, am I crazy? I can't do this. I can't leave the grandkids. I love this house. I planted that tree. I want to see that tree. <laughs> so you get to, to the doubting. Well, I did all that. I'm not yeah, leaving this yeah. Hey, That makes sense to me. I can I, hear me. Yeah. I'm not leaving my granddaughter, my daughter. I'm not. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's not like you're leaving. You're leaving the country either. You know what right. I mean? It that feels no. there's a safety net, uh, you know, attached to that. I of get course. it. I get yeah, it. Okay. Course. But I again, I encourage your listeners. If any of them want to email me or call me on the phone and talk to me, kind of talk through this, or I give advice on what kind of RV you should get based oh. on my experiences. Nice, I'll be glad nice. to do that. We appreciate that. Yeah, we're going to link all this in our show notes and we're going to post all your fabulous shots on okay. Instagram and Facebook. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Okay. Thank you. you know, and Jean, thank you all so much for letting me get on here and ramble. Oh, on my God. No, I appreciate it. We, um, we love the difference. Instead of selecting a location, why not select all? Right. That's right. So, so we're so happy that you joined <laughs> yeah, us. I found this so interesting. I love this. this I know. I could see episode. I could yeah. see your thinking. Let's He's normally go. not this quiet. <laughs> He normally doesn't let me do all the talking, although I try. So I could see him thinking. I could, okay, because we do want to see as many redwoods as possible. You know, my best experience was at Muir Woods, and I definitely want more of that in my life. So, yeah. okay, well, one one last question: What's your favorite national park, or, or is it like kids? You can't say you have a favorite. Okay, I love Muir. Uh, I love the Grand Canyon because I didn't know that there's 13 miles of bike paths through the yeah. Grand Canyon that I rode my bike on with my group. I didn't wow. know that. So I love that. I love Acadia National Park because I got to do 13 yeah. big hikes there in Maine. I loved that yeah. as well. I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard. People always ask me, what's your favorite place? I don't know. It just depends. You yeah. talk about the yeah. food, the temperature, the atmosphere, where I stayed, <laughs> who I was with. I mean, it's yeah. too hard right. to tell. I love yeah. them all. And I'm going to try to go to all the natural parks, the Samoa one, but I'm going to try to get to the rest of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And and Canada's got some beauty. I mean, oh, Vancouver. Next level. And, yeah. Yeah. Next level. <laughs> next level. All right. Great. Janelle, we got to stay in touch. All right. And take care. Thank okay. you so much, you guys. Thank you, you too. So Have a good week. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well. Be well.